0: Luke chapter 2, um, kind of an interesting message today because uh, I felt over the past couple of days the Lord strongly impress upon me the importance of the hour in which we're living. And um, I started to pray about the, the uh, similarities between where we're living today and where the world was when Jesus was born. So we're going to talk about some things today that I believe are very appropriate for you. We're going to talk a little bit about history. And um, for those of you who didn't like history in school, sharpen your thinking right now because you need to know what this is in the Scripture. We're going to talk about something that's mentioned in Scripture that I probably believe you just... um, You know what it says, but you have no clue what it means or why it says it. So let's look at it today. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. I, I was uh, reading a, a little ad about the Charlie Brown Christmas that was produced in the uh, mid-60s and how in the back rooms of CBS they had great debate about uh, what Charles Schultz uh, demanded be a part of that broadcast where Linus was quoting the scripture that we just read. And um, one of the producers of CBS says, "Well, we we have to go through with this, but we will never do another Charles Schultz special. They were inflamed over it. And I thought, thank God, that's my favorite part of that whole that whole episode but it speaks about this and Charlie Brown said what does Christmas mean and Linus says I'll tell you and then he quotes his passage I'm sure you've seen it but I believe that there are some things that the father wants us to see about this passage that will let us know more about Christmas than we ever did and we need to see the alignment with where we are right now as Christians and as saints So there goes out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. We all have seen, well maybe you haven't, but I'm sure that everybody in this place has heard of Cleopatra. I'm sure you have. And the great story of her uh, being with Julius Caesar and then he's murdered and then she links up with Mark Antony. And they're based in Alexandria and the battle that went on then between Mark Antony and Cleopatra's forces and a guy named Octavian. Well, guess who Octavian was? Caesar Augustus. He became Caesar Augustus uh, somewhere in the, in the mid-20s BC and that meant Caesar, who is the greatest of all, or, you know, there are many different translations. You're looking it up, but it really means somebody that excels everybody else. That's what Augustus means, your old uncle August, our month, the eighth month, August. That's what it means. It's superior to all, and Octavian became this Caesar who was superior to all. And um, that's the emperor who was in charge when Christ was born, and, um, and really he was in charge until probably, and the dates, don't get too baffled about the dates, because no matter who you look in history, they'll all waffle and argue about dates. But it probably was, he was the Caesar until Christ became 15 maybe, 16 years old, which was probably also significant, because I think, I don't know this, But I think that that's probably about the time that Joseph was taken away. And then Jesus had to become the man of the house. But that's just my opinion, which is probably it was so notable that how's this boy uh, managing this house with all these other kids? And uh, he's just a young man, which is why when Jesus began ministering, they all said, is this not Joseph's son? Because he became notorious. It wasn't just, oh, yeah, that's his kid. This was something that was notable, that this boy had, without sin, stepped in there for a father that we don't know when he was gone, but somehow Jesus became the man of the house. But this Octavian, who then becomes Caesar Augustus, he was the one that was uh, the emperor when Christ was born. Something about him was that he he had many faults, but he deduced that he was not going to make the error of Julius Caesar and proclaim himself a dictator. He was going to be a monarch, sure, but he was going to be a monarch that said that he was uh, holding fast to the principles of the Roman Republic. And so he did that, and... Um, he began to start trying to um, form the conquests that Rome had made into a tangible, workable, um, dare I say, nation, even though it wasn't a nation. And that was his objective. And so by the time um, this scripture was read, we just read, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, this man, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. What does that mean? Well, in the first place, we need to understand who Cyrenius was, or Cyrenius. This was a young guy that rose up through Roman society. And as was the case with so many of them, if they wanted to be in politics, they knew that they probably needed to, if they wanted to be successful in politics, they also needed to be somewhat of a warrior or someone that would be recognized as being able to go out and kick it and come back with victory. You talk about peace, that was the Pax Romana. We're going to go out, and not necessarily to follow the will of the Lord, but we're going to, with the sword, and with the spear, and with the crucifixions, we're going to bring peace, and it's going to be the Roman peace. And so this guy, Carinius, he he did that. And he became very famous as a tactician who could uh, defeat um, places that had many fortresses. He was real slick with that. In fact, some historians state that he had become... Um, so skilled at this that in his military career, he knocked off over 40 fortresses. Not by himself, of course. He's not as strong as Andrew back there, but um, he uh, he really became known as somebody that knew how to dissolve enemy strongholds and gain victory. So he rose up into the chain of uh, Roman um, mentality, and Caesar Augustus, he decided, I can use this guy. So as uh, one of the things that you know about the study of Octavian was that he he recognized his goal. And I'm not patting him on back. I'm just giving you a history lesson here. And so he thought, well, I'm not just just not going to go in and say this is going to happen. I'm going to make it happen over a period of time. But it's going to be the way I want it to be. You can mark that down right now. So he didn't first go on and say, you know, we're going to set up a city, uh, a, a group, a uh, a way of taxing everybody to get money in, we're going to first go in and say, hey, we're going to have kind of like a census and we're going to see how many people we actually have and we're going to get people to, we're going to make them, if they're under a place of Roman domination, we're going to make them come so that we can get a pretty good bearing of what we have you know, and that's pretty smart, you know, you don't just start barking orders, you make an assessment, what do we have here, how many people do we have here, who's, how many are there, how many are here, oh, they may be living over here, but we want to know where you're really from, because that's where you're going to end up, if things, if, if uh, hard times come, so when he sends this Cyrenius over to the area of Syria, and this guy starts jurisdicting things uh, on behalf of the Roman holdings all around um, Israel. Now, King Herod was still in control at that point uh, of Israel, and um, the uh, the Roman the Roman representative, Cyrenius. I'm just going to say it in my terms, put the screws to this guy and said, we need to have an accounting of what's going on in there, too. We're not telling you what to do, but if you know what's good for you, you make sure that we know how many people you have and who we, we're going to keep meticulous insights. So when it says here this taxing was first made by Serenius, this speaks of the first stage of what Augustus wanted it was not, okay, everybody, you know, we've got our tax booth set up. That didn't happen yet. This was this was first putting things in motion. And we, we just want to know how many people we have. We want to know what your names are. We want to know where you are. And so the, the idea of Joseph coming with a bag of gold or something, that's not what it was. This was truly to know how many people are are in these lands where they belong to what they what they were so the idea of this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria he went in and he supervised this you know he had forces but he wasn't strong-arming anybody but there was the real emphasis that you better do this now the other thing about Cyrenius was Stick with me here, because you need to know this. You want to know about, let's talk about Jesus. Well, let's talk about Jesus. When did he live? What does this scripture mean? What does this mean? It's not just something Linus blurred over when they have a ratty-looking tree that they drape some popcorn on. What does this mean? And why was Jesus born at this time with these influences? And how does this equate to where we are? Well, the first thing I want to say is if you don't recognize that things are being positioned right now in the world before the hammer falls for the enemy's assignment you are either asleep or you're not paying attention things are being put in position right now for the things that the bible says are going to happen in the book of revelation they're already starting to happen so uh, to be aware of the times and seasons you would have to say yep this is put in place this is put in place it's alarming but the end is not yet so we need to be wise and we need to listen to the spirit and we need to know that when this thing starts to happen and it is that God's going to be giving direction God's going to be giving insight God's dreams and visions are going to kick in And we're going to be uh, overshadowed by the goodness of the Lord. So, um, and we'll talk about the other aspect of why this was first made by Serenius in just a minute. But we need to segue over a little bit to say, um, Mary and Joseph, they go to Bethlehem. You know the wonderful story. If I need to tell you the story, you're in the wrong place. Um, We know this wonderful birth that comes. But then, King Herod is in control. Uh, Augustus was allowing this man to still be called a king. The next Herods, not so much. And you notice that. They're called tetrarchs, they're, they're also called those that were over specific groups of people, but no king. So, King Herod is there. And um, before he gives the edict to kill all the children that have been born in Bethlehem and around Bethlehem, the angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph and says, Get out of there. So they go to Egypt. Now, where were they in Egypt? I mean, if you listen to the Coptics, it's down in Ethiopia, or on the border of Ethiopia. If you, you know, all the, when you're talking Catholicism, they all have different shrines, different things they think, and they all lay claim to certain things. They even say they have the Ark of the Covenant down there, although nobody's seen it. Um, I think that they probably went to Alexandria. Now, again, you, your favorite Bible might say something else well why would i say they probably went to alexandria well first of all that was the second most powerful city on earth at that time it's estimated that there were close to a million jewish people living in our, uh, alexandria at that time can you imagine that it was the crossroads of you know alexander had built it there was a reason cleopatra was there the great library was still there i mean it was it was the dominant center. And if if you're going to go and hide somewhere, why not hide among a million people? Why not hide among people that are Semites? And I think that's where they went, but don't lay money on it. But they go there and they live. How long did they live there? Well, you know, we don't have their day timer. But at some point, the angel of the Lord comes and starts to talk to him about, okay, now Herod's dead. And in Matthew 2, stick with me now, you want to know this, Matthew is concerned because he hears that after King Herod dies, this other Herod, Herod Archelaus, takes over. Now, this guy was a piece of work. And he grapples for leadership. As soon as King Herod dies, the will of King Herod is there. And the bumpkins that were listed in that uh, will are all scratching and spitting and saying, oh, what's in this for me? Well, Archelaus, he makes a beeline to Rome and he says, hey, I should be the rightful ruler. And Octavian gives him the you know, okay. Are you gonna? What are you gonna do for me? Are you gonna be a good citizen? What are you gonna do? And somehow Rome backs this guy Archelaus to be the Herod. Well, this guy's ruthless. You think what? I think what King Herod did was horrible. That's killing all those babies. That was nasty. But this Archelaus was terrible. He was a murderer. I mean. Uh, There was one point where um, some of the Jewish zealots decided that they'd had enough of Rome. That sound familiar? And so they threw down some Roman emblem, and this guy marches in troops and kills thousands of Jews. He crucified over 2,000 Jews. And they're all just, can you imagine here in Dallas, cut Dallas in half and say, well, okay, we're going to have 2,000 people crucified. Wouldn't that be nasty? That would be, I think there'd be more congestion than the BMW marathon. I mean, it just would be terrible. But that's what this guy does. Well, the rest of the Jewish people say, we got to get rid of this dude. So they send a contingent to Rome to say, do you know what this guy's doing? I mean, you want to, and probably they're very political. They say, you want to have, you want to establish a, a kingdom here. And this guy is single-handedly destroying the will of the people for that to happen. We'll remove him. Well, Archelaus gets ideas that uh, this group of people have gone, so he tracks down all of their families and kills them all. And then when they're on their way back, kills them too. This guy was a real piece of work. He was horrible. Well, word finally comes back to Octavian, and he says, oh, i got to really get rid of this guy. So he positions him in Gaul, and most people think that he moved him out and put him in Vienna. Now, that's not a bad place. Vienna wasn't what it was then. They weren't yodeling on the sides of mountains, the hills are alive with the sound of music, because it was still the Germanica, and uh, Octavian, at that point, starts focusing more on Germanica. And he probably pitched the idea, I'm going to need a strong arm up here. And that guy was made as the Muscles to do that up there. So what's he do? He sends Kyrenius back in now to be somebody that would uh, strong arm, probably, the next phase of development. And during the next period of time, um, Quirinius puts together the taxing situation, which Matthew was famous for. But none of that was happening that all the world would be taxed when Joseph and Mary, Jesus, Joseph, and Mary, when they were there in Bethlehem. The first phase is what was called here. Now, we know that uh, when Archelius moved out, then they put in another Herod. He was one of the other sons and he was one of the dolts that wasn't paying attention when Archelaus went and got an agreement with Caesar. Jesus called this guy the fox because he was slickered and snot. He, He knew how to You ever hear that? That's a good old Texas phrase. Look it up in your Hebrew Bible. Um, You know, he just knew how to, Jesus called him the fox. And if Jesus has given, if Jesus has given a nickname, that gives hope to me, you know, because any of you think he he gives too many nicknames? We'll talk about Jesus and the fox and other things that Jesus said. Jesus was a pretty funny guy. I know he was. Um, But this Herod was really, Kind of a crafty guy. I mean, I'm not going to give too many stories about him. He finally met his end after Peter got sprung from the prison by the angel. I'm skipping ahead. We're going to get back to Jesus and Joseph and Mary here in a minute. And uh, after Peter got sprung from the prison, this Herod starts looking all around, finding who's to blame, where is he. And at that point, the people decide we're going to make this guy a deity. So they say, we're Herod, this, this particular Herod, the Tetrarch, we, we want you to be divine. And so Herod puts on his robes, and he comes, and an angel of the Lord is there. You can read about it. it it's good reading. Um, the, the angel of the Lord sees this happen, and the Bible says that he smites him, and before you know it, this guy's bowels are consumed with worms. Now Josephus writes about this, and I believe what the scripture says. Josephus adds some additional insight that somehow Herod becomes greatly ill and he even says that he saw a uh, an owl perched when this process was going on and immediately he knew that he was in trouble and within 5 days he died i don't know how they knew that his intestines were eaten with worms i don't know and i don't care but that is another part of the scripture. Now, one last thing, and then we'll get back to Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. Um, When um, In the book of Acts, in the fifth chapter, they're referencing a rebellion that occurred by another guy named Judas and some other dudes uh, when Rome's taxing first began, when the second phase of Octavian wanting money, when it first began, and that's referenced in Acts chapter 2. But all of these things are going on. There went out a decree from Octavian that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made by Quirinius, who was governed over Syria. Those two dudes, they put together the political framework of what we see during the ministry time of Jesus. And I think that's very significant. How's this significant for you and me? Because I think that so many things that happened the first time Jesus came are happening in this same Jesus will soon return in like manner. We're seeing the same things happen today, whether you recognize them or not. Now, when Octavian died, probably Jesus was in his mid-teens. And then comes this ruler named Tiberius, who was horrible. I mean, he was, you know, if you read the story about him, I mean, he finally set up his rule on the Isle of Capri. I don't know whether there was a casino there or not. But he was set up his rule in the Isle of Capri. And he just did debaucherous things. I mean, perverted things. Uh, he, he would throw people off the cliff there. You can watch a S- Smithsonian documentary about what he did. This was the guy that was the emperor during the time of Jesus' ministry on earth. And historians say that he, he died in 37 AD, which would have been shortly after the cross and the resurrection. So this was the guy that was in charge during the time of Jesus' Later teens, during his adulthood, leading up to the time when he entered into ministry, and then ministered and was crucified. So Tiberius was just a filthy emperor. He was just the pe- he wasn't in Rome for most of the time, and so who's in, who's in charge? Does this sound familiar? Who's in charge? There are horrific things going on. There are filthy things. Oh, but everybody denies them. You know, where is he? Is he he actually in Washington? Uh, You know, who's making these decisions? He's not there. You know, well, he's over here. You know, I've heard that there are nasty things going on in the Senate hearing rooms. I hear this is going on. I hear this is going on. That's what Tiberius' rule was. Somebody was in control, but who was in control? Filthy things were happening. Who's to be blamed? And it really set the stage for the tumultuous time of the early church when Caligula, Caligula took over and then that list of people that then, uh, you know, finally Nero fiddling while Rome burned and Christians being blamed and, you know, just crazy times. But during Jesus' time on earth in ministry, you had this forming of the, of the Roman um, structure forming of it, not just conquests, but forming of it. And then there was then the taxing of it, of which Matthew was a representative serving the Roman government. If you've seen Chosen, you can see how that interplay between the Roman magistrates and him and those like him worked and how despised and detested they were. You had an absentee, uh, an absentee emperor who was, uh, in fact, uh, it's it's just crazy. I mean, I, j- I just, I read these histories and I think, that's our day. Yeah, we see this happening right now. Yeah, this is happening right now. Oh, well, that sounds familiar. All of this stuff has played out when Jesus came. And, you know, here's another factor. Down there in Egypt, remember when I talked about Herod, Archelaus? Matthew has heard some of this crazy stuff that's going on with Archelaus. I think, I mean, Joseph, Joseph had heard about this. And Matthew writes about the interchange between Joseph and the angel regarding Archelaus. Read it sometime. It's good reading. You probably just skipped over it because I don't even know how to pronounce that name. Let's just move past it. So Matthew's paying attention to the crazy things that are going on in Jerusalem, and he's probably thinking, I wasn't there, but uh, Joseph's probably thinking, you know what? As power-hungry and as defensive as this guy is, what's what's going to happen if i go back to bethlehem with a baby that somehow escaped the murder words going to spread i'm just putting a target on his back and he he's he doesn't say all those things he doesn't say all these things but that's the conversation that's going on with the angelic and so he gets the the leading to go back during the time that archelaus is archelaus is ruling but he goes up through the the nether coasts and ends up in galilee and there matthew says that it might be fulfilled what was written that he would come out of nazareth but the whole reason that happened prophetically of course was because archelaus was ruling and he was such a such a murderous individual i mean he was going after everybody and he was he was filling the the rosters of 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 murder and so that led to why Jesus was in Nazareth very interesting very 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 interesting but all these directions who sometimes we wonder how are we going to survive with all this nasty stuff you know people wanting to kill Christians and you know how how are we going to survive that well If you just look at this, God caused the people who loved him, most notably his son, and all these other people, and then leading up through the days when Christ was moving through Jerusalem and through the surrounding areas, they were warned, they were caught away, they were provided for, they were instructed. And even though all of these things are happening, God somehow was able to insert miraculous provision, miraculous direction from various forms. And no matter what these people were doing, as debaucherous and horrific as it was, God found a way to fulfill what he said he would do. So there are incredible Similarities to the days we're living in, and and I believe that we are. I guess my belief, we're we're entering in to the times that are spoken of. Uh, it's times of the end, and I I, I, I I think we can see the layout for the the final end of the world government. Uh, there there are things that are happening that are very similar, this taxing was first made, um, and, and this, this governing, in fact, you want to have some really weird reads, read about th- how this is, is fought over, that just these verses, these first few verses of Luke 2, where uh, those that don't believe in God Say well, that never happened. Well, that didn't happen. The, the dates don't mix. Well, This doesn't work. That doesn't work. Until sometime in the 1700s, they found a um, a script from that time frame which speaks about this guy and says that he had two times of rule in that area. So, whoa! All of a sudden, the scripture's true. And as is often with the New York Times, there's nothing that says, you know what, that reporting we did was wrong, you know. They just skip by to find another thing. They used to say that about Jericho. You read all these things about Jericho. That never happened. And then archaeologists begin to discover things that prove it. And then there's there's no, well, you know, maybe we were wrong. They just move on to the next thing to question. Everything that's said here happened. You know, they didn't go through, as, and this is a great favor to me for things that I've written, uh, that I've written. You know, I don't explain everything. Just because I don't say it all doesn't mean that it's not there. Uh, but the scripture doesn't, it says what it means and it's accurate. But all these other things that I'm mention- mentioning happened, and they, they happened just so wonderfully, but it gives a depiction. These first two scriptures our first three it describes the world that they were in and there was really a shift when octavian decided we're going to make this shift now you know we're we're not just going to be conquering people and laying out great roads and uh, stealing from those cultures soldiers and and wealth we're not going to we're going to make a kingdom out of it. And, you know, I'm not glorifying him, but that was a pretty smart move. And he ruled for a long time. And uh, he did put in motion what we read about through the rest of the book of uh, uh, of the Gospels. We, we, we read this, and it's, it's because of the work of Octavian, who beat Mark Antony in that famous love Uh, that famous love between Mark Antony and Cleopatra where she gets the asp and it kills her and you know he loses the great uh, naval battle and you know all of that happened this is the same guy you see Richard Burton and you see uh, uh, you know he's he's Mark Antony well you know that story's a little bit screwy and the way they told it Hollywood does that but this is the same guy but it's set up the stage. This world right now is being positioned, and how far along it's been positioned already, for the end government. And it's never been in position like this before. We're living a similar day. At some point, <laughs> we got to rely on the fact that if God, you saved all of these people, giving them dreams, showing them visions, sending angels. You're going to do the same thing for us, but the objective is that we're going to fulfill the role of sonship. We're going to fulfill the role of our Father's kingdom, and we're going to fulfill the role role through signs and wonders and miracles that has been ordained from us for the second coming of Christ. And so, yeah, Maybe you're fulfilling a role similar to what Joseph did. Maybe you're fulfilling one like Anna, like Simeon. All the roles are there. All of the roles are there. All these intercessors, all these prophets, all these people that are willing to wait for what God's promise was, you're there. And I, I just think it's remarkable. It, it really is a wonderful thing. But can you imagine, you know, when Jesus really became a man in his mid teens and um, the rule of Rome at that point was this absentee leader who was filled with absolute debauchery, who whose who the kingdom of Rome was just horrific. That's just a crazy thing. You can you can and again, you can find these these wonderful historical drama, not to, historical record, online. You can look at it on the Discovery Channel. You can look at it on the Smithsonian. You can see things about the Isle of Capri. You can go there and, and visit it now. Not right now, of course, but you you can go. Let me finish my sermon first. But you know, it it's still there. You can take tours of this place, and they've got the the cliffs that go down, and this this demonized guy would just get angry with people no matter what would happen and he'd just take them just a few steps off and toss them over a cliff and then he had a special battalion of people that would go out in boats and collect their bodies and feed them to the animals crazy stuff this is the guy that ruled through christ's ministry it's just an historical fact so we think, you know, who's representing us? Well, how is this happening? That's just horrible. Well, how, Well, this is not the United States I know. You know, you say all those things. Well, that's nothing compared to what Jesus ministered in. Somehow, God led him through. And the people that were in power during Jesus' days were just kind of skirting by under the skirts of this rule in Rome. And they were law unto themselves. You see that today, too? How did this person get authority? Well, you know, there was a lot of political contribution, and they were elected some way, and now they're running that city. Look what happened to that city. Somebody ought to do something about it. Well, who? Do they want to do something about it? The guy that's in charge in in Jesus' day, he was doing worse. So I guess you've got to look on the bright side. Somehow all of this worked for the kingdom's sake. But there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, Caesar Augustus that all the world would be taxed. The taxing was first made by Serenius, governor of Syria. There you have it. There's the clue. Transition hit all of a sudden in the world. And you who study history, you know these names. Well, let's insert The story of Jesus into it because there it is. And it's encouraging to me in kind of a backhanded way, even though I don't like these things that happen. If, as God our Father worked the work of Christ, He will work the work that we're to be as Christ like. And no matter what happens, when the next twitch hits, and all of this emplacement of this worldwide rule kicks in, and then the screws begin to be affixed. And they want response then. God was with us. There. That's when Jesus really came into the forefront of the historical record. That's when you see him begin to move And so for me, even though I dread seeing the things that the scripture prophesies, and who wouldn't? If you think, oh, wow, I can't wait till these cities are destroyed. There's something wrong with you. We need to deliver you right now, if such a thing can be. Um, But those were the days when Christ shone in magnificent ways we should take heart with that. Do we want the world to descend into that? No. Is it going there? Yes. You want to put a time limit on it? No. I've lived my life with prophets and people giving timelines. And, you know, there are shelves full of books where there are goofy attempts to predict. You know, and, and I always wonder... Do you think Jesus meant what he said when he said, nobody knows the time? I don't even know the time. That was Jesus. Do you think he meant what he said? Only the Father knows. So I I can't predict how long this is going to be, but yet the times and the seasons which Issachar people are supposed to be able to perceive, there it is. Whoop, there it is. And it's right there. You hear a little line of saying, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Guess what? That's describing our world right now. And um, the rest of the days of Christ leading into the times of the disciples, um, it's there too. Quirinius, real guy. There's no... There's no fault in Luke's reporting. And um, it says exactly what happened. And it's very clear. So, (sighs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) As we enter into the new year, no matter what comes, God is with us. This is the greatest miracle ever known on earth. And God is no respecter of persons. Everything we see here, the best wine is coming. We're going we're to rely upon the same God to fulfill what he has promised uh, in the second coming of the Lord. And so we're, we're getting ready. You know, all you Simeons and Annas and Zechariah's and Elizabeth, I won't say who's who, um, and Joseph's and Mary and uh, Simeon, Anna. Wow. We're, we're, sir, I'm going to be done, I promise. Um, we're serving that preparatory moment that we see here in Scripture. You are serving that as intercessors. Nobody's standing out in the corner applauding you. But you're serving the Father. Keep on serving him. Don't lose track. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. This is, we're meticulously in place by the leading of the Spirit. And um, I'm just fascinated by this. So again, would it hurt you to look at a documentary about what Tiberius did and recognize that all of that nonsense he was doing was happening when Jesus was turning water into wine, when he was driving the money changers out, when he was crucified, when Pentecost happened, would it hurt you to have a little bit of smarts about what was going on in Rome and in the Capri and all these other areas during the time that our Lord and Savior was actually walking the streets of Jerusalem? I want to know that. Why? Because that's going to be our day. It is our day. And how did God move? There were some miracles that happened during those times that aren't listed in the scripture, but miracles nonetheless. And one of those documentaries that I was studying about, I used to have a book about Herod and I can't find it now, but the documentaries say when this guy was trying to do this, there was, there were, people that were godly people, and there was a miracle that preserved them. God knows how to do that, and that's our God. So I'm done. Father, I thank you that you caused Jesus to be born at the exact time that you ordained, in the exact circumstances, so that in in all of your glory for us, we can say, if my Lord was able to navigate through those waters, I can navigate through similar waters that he has already brought victory in. He was tempted in all points like we are. Well, this is our point of tempting, but he's already won the victory in it. Guide us. Don't let us give up. Don't let us quit. Help us to keep growing. Help us to keep moving With you, Father, and let Jesus be glorified. Let your work be done. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his triumph in every way. Thank you that he was in the world, but not of the world. His kingdom was of heaven and not of this earth. And that that's our privilege, too. We love you, and we thank you. I speak your blessing over every person in this house. And I I thank you for all of our network family. I thank you for the year that's coming. And I thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you, all of us together to serve you in these days. You're a good God. We love you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well. Thanks for being here. Uh, we've got all these wonderful folks who are visiting. Please avail yourself of loving them and letting them know how happy you are to see them. And don't forget, Wednesday night, for those of you who are alive and remain, um, this coming Wednesday night is the chili cook-off. <laughs> all right. And if, if you survive that and live and remain, then we'll be here next Sunday, 11 o'clock next Sunday morning. God bless.